0: of God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, delivering them, no longer to be slaves, but to be free. God could have led them now within just a matter of days to the promised land, but instead he took them to the Red Sea and he crossed through that Red Sea. The Red Sea closed behind them. Now they could not escape. They were marooned in the desert. It was God's purpose to take them to that desert, to test them, and to teach them His ways. If they were successful in learning and obeying and trusting in the God of heaven, they would be led into the promised land and all of the rich promises of God would be fulfilled in their lives. We come now to the book of Numbers, the 13th chapter. The Lord said to Moses, "'Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites.' From each ancestral tribe, send out one of its leaders. So, at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, all of them leaders of Israel. They explored the land, they collected some of the fruit of the land. In fact, it took two men to carry one huge cluster of grapes. They brought back with them pomegranates and figs. They were in that promised land for 40 days. And then they came back to Moses and to the children of Israel. We find the story verse 27 Numbers 13:27 They gave Moses this account We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey Here is its fruit but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Enoch there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, Amorites, they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb stepped forward. He quieted the people. He said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. The descendants of Enoch came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes. And we looked the same to them. Now that night, all the people of the community raised their voices And wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, if you know the story at all of the children of Israel as they were in that wilderness, this is not new behavior for them. They have, time after time, grumbled against the Lord God of heaven. They felt like they were victims. They felt like everything was impossible for them. They felt that God was treating them unfairly. They were not willing to trust the God of heaven. I want you to note that. We're going to speak about that today. I hear Christian after Christian saying to me, I do not believe that the blood of Jesus Christ can remove all of my sin, Pastor. I believe I'm always going to be a sinner, they refuse to enter the promised land. They refuse to accept that the blood of Jesus can wipe away their sin. Now, why would the children of Israel take this position? And why would those so-called Christians of today take the same posture, grumbling against God Complaining against God, not believing in His power. Why would they hold that posture? What do they have to profit in this? Well, immediately you can see that the children of Israel have to prosper in that they believe they can preserve their lives. They believe that they can preserve the lives of their children. They believe that what is best for them is to return to slavery, where they can enjoy the flesh pots of Egypt, where they can have a lifestyle that is safe. They are tired of this constant risk out in the desert, even though their clothing has not worn out, their shoes have not worn out, they've had plenty of food to eat, they've been given water to drink, they have manna to eat, a perfectly nutritional, balanced meal. They have the meat of their flocks to eat, the mutton and the beef. They have goat meat to eat. They have milk. They have a rich diet. But they believe that their safety lies back in Egypt. Moses and Aaron fall down on their faces as the children of Israel come with their grumbling. Moses and Aaron have learned very quickly from the Lord God of heaven that the only hope is in the prayer closet, kneeling before the Lord. Now, Caleb and Joshua try to convince the people that the land is good, that if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. They beg the people, do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly now makes a decision that they're going to stone Moses and Aaron and they're going to return to Egypt. And the Lord appears in glory. They could have looked at any moment and seen the cloud of covering or all that night they could have looked at the huge pillar of fire that lit their camp. But now it's the glory of God that appears. It's the glory of God that shows. And now he says to them, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they." but Moses immediately begins to intervene with great cries of intercession. He knows the Lord. He knows that the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, forgives sin and rebellion, But he also knows that the Lord does not leave the guilty unpunished, that he punishes the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and to the fourth generation. Now, in this time of grave crisis, the Lord says to them, No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see this promised land. But because my servant Caleb had a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valley, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. And then he proclaims that their bodies are going to fall in the desert. It took 38 years for all of those men to die in the desert, and their children suffered as shepherds in the desert because of the sin of their fathers. Now, when I look at this whole story, they would not believe the lord they simply would not believe what the lord had said to them if you look at the story in deuteronomy moses gives it a little more color you know that the book of deuteronomy deuteronomy is where moses reviews the whole history of the children of israel as they have come out of Egypt. He says, you grumbled in your tents? You said the Lord hates us. He's brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. Now part of what happened Is that after the Lord said, You're going to have to go back into the desert, and you're going to all die in that desert? After he said that, they encouraged one another, and they said, We'll go in and take the land. But it was too late. It was too late. Now part of what I want you to immediately begin to understand out of today's message, and in a moment we'll go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and you'll begin to see that, and also the 10th chapter, and begin to see that God has a limit. And when you reach that limit, there is no turning back. Remember I shared this week the story of Esau where he sought repentance but could not find any. He was denied the ability to repent because he had crossed a threshold. You need to be very aware that God is merciful, He's kind, He's long suffering, but he finally comes to a place where he cuts us off, and we have reached the end. In chapter one of Deuteronomy, in verse forty one, You replied, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight as the Lord our God commanded us. So every one of you put on his weapons, thinking it easy to go up into the hill country. But the Lord said to me, tell them, do not go up and fight because I will not be with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. Do you understand? You cannot say no to God. Cross the threshold and then say, okay, yes, I did sin. I'll go back and do what I'm supposed to do. You can't do that. That's not an option with God. So I told you, but you would not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command, and in your arrogance, you marched up into the hill country, the Amorites who lived in those hills came out against you and they chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Sur all the way to Hormath. You came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. And so you stayed in Kadesh many days. Today is a day of salvation for you. Be careful you do not test the Lord and refuse Him as He offers to bring you into the promised land of Jesus Christ. Be careful that you do not cross the threshold where your tears will no longer matter, where you cannot find a place with the living God of heaven, where your life is over. You can be very religious, but you cannot find a place of repentance. God does not have unconditional love. His love is very conditional. It is unfailing, but it is very conditional. Anyone who carefully reads the scriptures sees over and over that men and women cross the line with God and could never return. Now in chapter 2 it says, Then we turned back and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea as the Lord had directed me. For a long time we made our way around the hill country of Sur. Thirty-eight years to be exact. And during those thirty-eight years, Every man who had scorned the word of the Lord and refused to go into the promised land died and was buried in that desert. Now, when we come to the New Testament, this is the word of the Lord. Hebrews, the 12th chapter But you've come to Mount Zion, even to a city of a living God, to a heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful assembly, and to the church of the firstborn. If you are a person who has been born from above, you are of the firstborn. This is the church of the firstborn, to a people made righteous, who no longer walk in their sin, but have been washed and made pure by the blood of the Lamb. It says, To the church of the firstborn, having been written in the heavens, and to God the judge of all conceivable men, and to the spirits of righteous men, having been made perfect and to Jesus, a mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, speaking better things than the blood with reference to Abel. Abel was a righteous man, but his blood could not wash away another man's sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ not only can wash away your sin, but set you free of your sin. I read that to you yesterday in Hebrews, the ninth chapter. But then we come to verse 25. You must see to it that you may not reject the one speaking. For if they escaped not, having rejected the one warning them on earth, much less will we escape the ones turning away from the one warning from the heavens. We don't have a mountain that's burning before us. We don't have thunder and lightning. We don't have all of the outward signs. Everything was done at the cross, where we see Jesus hung on that cross, stripped naked, bleeding and broken, dying for you and for me. It is that precious cross when we look to Jesus Christ that we are set free. Remember the story of of Pilgrim as he made his way to the cross and at the cross the heavy burden of sin that was on his back rolled away and then he began his journey on the straight and narrow path toward the celestial city and there were many opportunities on that narrow path to turn aside on one occasion they turned aside into a meadow and ended up In the giant's castle, the giant despair. Another time they turned aside because there was another path, and it seemed to be a path that was more comfortable. It led them astray as well, and the angel of God had to come and deliver them. And then the angel had them lay down, and he whipped them and said, Do not turn off this narrow path again. We have a narrow path to walk until we arrive at that celestial city, heaven itself. He's saying, you must see to it that you may not reject the one speaking. How does he speak? He speaks by the word of the living God. He speaks by the scriptures. He speaks by the preaching you're now listening to. He speaks by the Holy Spirit. And now in that quiet speaking of the word, you must decide, will you continue to dwell in Egypt? Or will you allow the Lord God of heaven to break the bondage of sin and set you free? Do you love your sin so much that you will not leave it. If so, he is saying, he is warning, how will we escape? The ones turning away from the one, warning them from the heavens. Jesus is warning you today from the heavens. He is calling you to walk Free of sin by the power of his blood. And if you say to me, Pastor, it's impossible, I cannot do that, you are no different than the children of Israel who said, I cannot enter into the promised land because there are giants living there. You're no different. You are making excuses and denying the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'll read that for you in just a moment. Verse 26, this is Hebrews 12, verse 26. This voice that spoke from heaven, whose voice at that time shook the earth, that is, it shook Mount Sinai. But now he is saying, yet once more, I'm not only shaking the earth, but I'm going to also shake the heavens. Now the phrase, yet once more, makes clear the removal of things being shaken as things have been made, that the things not being shaken may remain. He's saying, look, the day of judgment is coming, and I am not just going to shake the earth this time I am also going to shake the heavens. I'm going to shake Mars and Jupiter. I'm going to shake the moon. I'm going to shake the sun. I'm going to shake everything in the created realm. And what's going to remain is heaven, the new Jerusalem. He's going to make the earth new, a new earth. This earth is going to burn. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Therefore, receiving an unshakable kingdom, may we have grace. That is, may we have the divine power and the divine influence by which we serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. Now if you turn with me, please, to the book of Thessalonians, I want to share several scriptures from First Thessalonians The first one is in the third chapter. I'm going to begin reading with verse 11 through verse 13. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and excel in love for one another and for all men even as we also do for you, so as to establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and our Father at the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his holy ones. So the Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Thessalonica, is saying he is writing and he is loving. So as to establish your heart, blameless in holiness, that word holiness, purity, no sin. Then in the fourth chapter, verse seven, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but unto holiness or unto purity. Therefore, the one rejecting this is not rejecting man. But God, even the one having given his Holy Spirit to you. Now you may say to me, Pastor, I don't see any way possible for me to be washed clean of my present sin. I'm going to have to struggle with this sin all of my life. That's what you've been told by modern pastors. They're lying to you. Anyone who says and expects that a Christian will continue to walk in sin is like one of those spies that went into the promised land and came back with a false and bad report. Joshua and Caleb said, we should surely go in. We can take the land. The presence of God is with us. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but unto purity. Therefore, the one rejecting this is not rejecting man, but God, even the one having given his Holy Spirit to you. God gave to you his Holy Spirit that you would be washed and made clean and walk without sin in this life. Does that mean you're not going to be tempted? No. You'll be tempted. Does that mean that you'll never make a mistake? No, you'll make mistakes. We're talking here about that continual sinning against God in rebellion, believing that the power of God cannot deliver you. The purpose of God is to mature us, to grow us up. That's what the whole 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews is about, growing up that Christian who has utterly given himself over to Jesus Christ. Now, chapter 5. This is, again, First Thessalonians, chapter 5. The apostle Paul says, Now, may the God of peace himself make all of you holy completely entirely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ the one calling you is faithful who will also do it see this is not a human energy activity. This is not a human legalism. This is the miraculous power of God. He is the one who removes the past sin from our life, and he is the one who removes the present sin from our life. But we must come to the honest conclusion by faith that not only can God remove the sin he wants to remove the sin and that if we do not allow him to do that work on our hearts we cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven we will be lost that's why i've said to you over and over it takes time to be holy it takes time to be pure You cannot devote all of your time to your family and to your work and to your sports. You cannot devote all of your time to your hobbies. The great focus of your heart must be Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's going to take time to be made holy. If you do not set apart your heart to Jesus... You'll never be made holy, and you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll be very religious. You'll enjoy the dance, and you'll enjoy the music, and you'll enjoy the inspiration, and you'll enjoy the pastor's jokes. You'll enjoy the church dinners and the concerts and all that goes with it, but you will never enter the kingdom of heaven because you never allowed yourself the time to search after Jesus to be made holy, to be made innocent, to be made pure by the blood of Jesus. Instead, you casually said, I can never leave my sin, and Jesus has me covered, and He's my judge, and I don't need to worry. I'm on my way to heaven, and when I die, all the sin will be removed from my heart. Not true. If you believe that, you're going to miss heaven. Let me read it for you. Let's go back to the 10th chapter, the book of Hebrews. Verse 26. Now, willfully continuing to sin, after we received clear knowledge of the truth, And if you've listened to these broadcasts, you have received clear knowledge of the truth, that this is the work of Jesus, that he washes us and cleanses us of our past sins, and he is our sanctifier, and he comes if we will allow him, if we will give him the time, if we will search after him with our whole heart, He will make us clean. He will wash us and purify us. But we're going to have to be crucified with Christ. We can't just come to the cross. We have to be crucified with Christ. Remember Paul said, the book of Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That's what has to take place if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. I have given you that clear knowledge of the truth. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says, If you willfully continue to sin, no sacrifice remains concerning your sin. You crossed the threshold. You refused to give up your lifestyle of the American culture. You refused to turn aside from the lust of your heart and the lust of your flesh. You were determined you would do it your way. You would have your will accomplished and you comforted yourself with the lies of Gnosticism that you've been taught, that you're righteous even though you continue to walk in sin. That's one of the oldest heresies around the Christian church. It was against this heresy that the Apostle John wrote the first epistle of John. A sacrifice no longer remains concerning sins because you have crossed a threshold. You have believed a lie, and you are contented to continue trying to overcome your sin knowing that it's impossible. I speak with Christians regularly, and I say to them, are you clean with Jesus? And inevitably, they will answer me the same way, and they will say to me, no, there are still areas where I'm struggling and where I'm working. There's are still areas where I am falling short of what God wants me to do and to be, but I'm working on it. That's called legalism. These are not things you're called to work on. These are things you're called to surrender to Jesus. I think that's part of why he said to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, could you not wait and watch even one hour? Jesus expected his disciples to not allow themselves to be tempted and to run. But they did. Peter denied Jesus. It was not the will of God that Peter should deny Jesus. And had he stayed awake and prayed, he would never have rejected Jesus. He'd have never denied his Lord he would have saved himself a great deal of pain and anguish. I praise God that he did not cross that threshold, that Jesus in his mercy knows our wickedness and knows our weakness. And so is today the day of salvation to put away our pride and our self-sufficiency? To put away our arrogance and our hardness of heart. To put away our stealing and our lying and our fornication. To put aside the pornography. To put aside everything that would take us away from the heart of Jesus Christ. To give Jesus Christ the sin and the lust of our heart. That he can wash us and make us clean. He says, now willful continuing to sin, after we received clear knowledge of the truth, is no longer a sacrifice remaining for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, even the fury of fire being on the point of consuming the adversaries. Any one having rejected the law of Moses dies without mercy upon the word of two or three witnesses. But how much worse punishment do you think? He will be considered worthy, the one having trampled the Son of God underfoot, in fact, having regarded the blood of the covenant by which he was made holy a common thing, even having insult, insulted the Spirit of grace. And now we understand the one having said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is fearful to fall into the hands of a living God. Now let's be clear. I want to believe much better things for you. I don't want to see you come to the end of your life or to the point of judgment and be told that because you would not leave your sin, because you believed that you could not stop sinning. And so you continued to indulge in your life those things of impurity, those things of darkness, because you continue to trample on the blood of Jesus Christ and treat as a common thing His precious blood, because you have insulted the spirit of grace. No sacrifice remains for you. So I ask you boldly today, are you still walking in your sin and making excuses for it? Are you still struggling to overcome your sin, knowing that you never can? And I confess, I struggled for many years to overcome my sin, and I could not. And in hopelessness, I just said, I guess I'm going to have to live with this the rest of my life. And Jesus is just going to have to accept me because this is who I am. And then the Lord revealed the truth to my heart. That he will never accept me into the promised land as I am that I have to be changed transformed made into a new creature and he gave me the victory he turned me from my sin he disciplined me he called me out do I make mistakes? Oh, yes, I still make mistakes. I'm still immature in some in some ways. Yes. But I no longer walk in open rebellion or secret rebellion against the most high God. He has given me victory over that willful nature that would rebel against him. And I praise his name. What is your testimony? How do you stand with Jesus today? We don't have but a few minutes left in this broadcast, and I invite you, if you are under deep conviction and you'd like me to pray for you, I'm here to do that, 877-534-0780. That's 877-534-0780. We probably have five minutes. If you'd like to call quickly and ask me, Pastor, would you pray for me for victory? I'm happy to pray with you. But call now. Don't be like the children of Israel, who would not believe that the Lord God of heaven could deliver them, that the enemies were too great. Don't believe that the sin is too great, that Jesus cannot transform you and change you. He is willing and eager to do that. Will you trust him today? Will you trust Jesus today? And while I wait for a call, I'm going to give you some information. I need to ask again, for those moved by the Holy Spirit who want this message of holiness to go out to Washington, D.C. If you believe in this message and you want it to go forth and you haven't given yet this month to help keep this broadcast on the air, I ask, would you please do whatever the Holy Spirit calls you to do? Write to the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Welcome, Zach. What would you like to share? Welcome, Zach. What would you like to share? We have just a couple of minutes.
1: So, hello, Pastor Ray. Um, Wanting to share with everyone the blessing of worshiping God that brings the peace that only Jesus uh, through his death and his resurrection, he said, "I have to go away so the comforter could come as it relates to the ten virgins who had five had the oil, that the other virgins, the other five virgins wanted from the scriptures, as you recall they they wanted the oil, but the five virgins that had the oil, could not give them any of their oil, or else they would not make it themselves to re- greet the bridegroom. And a lot of times we get so caught up in what is going to give us peace, and the world gives us a temple peace. But if we will sit before God as, as the disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, as, uh, you know, the the You know, uh, where he went and prayed just before the night, that night, before he was to be taken. He said, can you wait with me one hour? And he went, he was sweating blood. He was under a lot of stress. And he came back, and they were all asleep. And we need to wake up to the peace that only can come through worshiping God. That's the oil that we need to fill our lamps. This is the glory. He said, do not hide your lights under a bushel, but be salt to this world so that the gospel can go forth. We're all ministers, whatever we're doing, sweeping the, you know, whatever we're doing in this world, it doesn't matter what we're doing. We're servants to the one that created us, and Jesus Christ is seated at his right hand, and we, too, if we will just come and when we're, we're faced with those trials, when we're faced with those tribulations or temptations, if we'll just but like come through the worship that we get. When we go to the congregation, we go and we learn how to worship God there with one another for the sake not the assembly of the, the people of God together. That's where we learn.
0: Zach, thank you. Zach, thank you. We're out of time, brother. God bless you. Bye-bye. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. You know where that oil comes from? It comes from being washed and made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ and living a holy life, a pure life. And Zach's right, focusing on Jesus Christ. Now, very quickly, I invite you to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. We worship at the All Saints Anglican Church. We rent space from them. They've been very kind to us. We rent space from them, and they're located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Drive around to the back side of the parking lot and there you'll see a large sign that says lower lobby. Come in those ground level double glass doors and the worship center will be on your left hand side. Now let's pray. Almighty God, I plead today that you would move in the hearts of those you are calling to not continue struggling with their sin, but to bring that to you, Jesus, and to be broken free, to be given victory, to find their place of peace and joy in you, Jesus. I plead your blood over every person who has listened. Lord, break us out of this grumbling, unbelieving spirit and fill us with your spirit i pray in your holy name amen you've been listening to pilgrim's progress i'm ray greenley pastor of the national prayer chapel go to our webpage page nationalprayerchapel.com you'll find lots of information there on how to walk this out god bless you i'll talk to you soon Great joy to the only God I see.